Today's podcast conversation is a fun one. It is a conversation that I had with my friend, Heather Chauvin. She's an author, TEDx speaker, storyteller, and someone who has thought a lot about parenting. Her book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, talks about her experience with cancer. In 2013, she had a stage four cancer diagnosis that really changed everything about her life, how she saw herself, how she wanted to show up, and of course, how she saw her role as mother and as parent. In this conversation, I talk with Heather about all of the pressure that a lot of us feel, that I sometimes feel, to kind of put together the perfect package for our kids. I think that's especially relevant as we enter summertime and are changing up the pace, changing up the schedule, and probably wanting to be really mindful of how we show up in support of our children's mental health while also retaining our own mental health. So I am so delighted to share this conversation with Heather. If you love hearing from her, check out her podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable. She's also fantastic to follow on Instagram, and her book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, is a wonderful read. So thanks so much for listening, and enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So yeah, thanks so much for joining me. It's good to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited. Thank you. And truth be told, it's possible that I reached out to do this interview with you as a little form of personal intervention because summer's coming and I have teenagers at home. And I don't know if this happens for you, but I get these emails starting in like January from all of my kids' friends and their parents and like the associated adults that go with kids. And the emails are about these detailed, totally orchestrated summer plans. That's like horseback riding camp this week and art camp that week. And are you going to science camp this week? And are you doing soccer camp? And just all of this stuff. And every January, the emails come and I'm like, oh, hell no. Like I cannot, I cannot do this much planning organization six months ahead of time for sure. But even then I just don't want to do all the things. So I'm feeling like a bad mother because my kids do not have, you know, 18 summer camps this summer. What do you think? I'm laughing and we're going to get real. I am hiding in my bedroom right now because there's a lot of chaos going around in my home and my teenage son is lying in bed right next to me right now. And he's sleeping. And I said, don't make a peep. And he's going to be listening to this whole conversation subconsciously. And I am so excited to have this combo with you, Sherry, because isn't it interesting how we feel, and I'm using air quotes, bad because all of this projected energy is coming towards us of who we need to be and how we need to act in modern parenting culture. 
And it is absolutely so incredibly unrealistic. And the second it slithers into any tiny weak crack that we have of insecurity, all of a sudden this additional pressure. Um, I call BS. Since when do we need to be the life managers for our children? That is the complete opposite of raising independence. Yeah, it is so interesting though how pervasive it is among thoughtful, intelligent, well-meaning people. Mm-hmm. Like one of my one of my best best friends is you know she's a physician. Her husband's a physician. Like just very like very smart, put together humans. And she gets into these like almost neurotic fits trying to organize scheduling stuff for her kids. And she wouldn't mind me saying this because we talk about it all the time. <laughs> but I'm like, girl, I just don't think it has to be this hard. No. I mean, a huge part of my personal journey and what I've had to teach women, because I mainly work with women over time, is how do you want to feel in your life? And I feel like, you know, we can do that with our health and our morning routines and maybe work, like all the trendy personal development areas of our life. But when it comes to parenting, it's actually very interesting to watch how this like primal relationship, it just get it gets us on a different level. But it's almost like those, it's like a status, right? Like I'm intelligent, I'm sophisticated, I have this additional education. Therefore, my children should have the best or the most or whatever it is. But we kind of cut off the core of what it means to be an independent human. Like we're raising humans. We're not raising robots. And then since when is it our job to say, what do you want to do? And is that in alignment with like, there's no boundaries. We're bleeding everywhere. It's always coming out. And we're becoming angry and resentful when in reality, we're the ones putting extra on our plate. Yeah. And I want to talk some about the mental health implications of that for parents, especially entrepreneurs who are most of the folks that listen to this show. But I also want to take the moment to mention that all of this effort and orchestration and summer camp programs and this and that is not necessarily yielding better outcomes for kids. You, I'm sure, are well aware of the level of mental health concern that exists among kids in this sort of current cohort. Yeah. So first of all, pink elephant in the room, post-COVID, in COVID, in the middle of it, still, it hasn't completely dis, you know, disappeared. And the trauma that we have all gone through, I think as adults, we can feel it in whatever capacity we have experienced it, everyone having a different experience and story. And we cannot cut off or forget about our children's experience through this process. And I think it's going to take years for us to unravel and unfold what that is. And as a mother of three boys, they're 17, 12, and nine, who advocates for mental health and emotional health, not from a place of like, how do you want to feel? And just like, think positive, but the true side effects of trying to do it all for everybody and, you know, look quote unquote good while you're doing it. We don't realize what our children have been through as well. And I personally have struggled in the last year. I say I have struggled, but I know my children have as well with getting back to our 
quote unquote normal life, getting back to the classroom. And we have to ask ourselves, like, why are we trying to do, 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 do more? And what do our children really need from us? And a lot of times it's less. And that means relaxation, restoration, connection. And we're constantly projecting our shit onto our children, like our anxiety, our insecurity. And then you add this additional layer of fear when it comes to what does this mean for their future? And it triggers all of our crap as well of how we were raised. So it's very interesting to watch how there were so many conversations during COVID around how everyone was overscheduled and it completely put this halt to their life. And they're like, oh, I can breathe again. And, 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 but then going back out into the world, we're doing it again. And I don't understand why we're not stopping and asking ourselves, is this in alignment with my bigger vision, with how I want to feel in relationship to my child, right? Raising a teenager is not emotionally comfortable. My podcast is called Emotionally Uncomfortable because it truly is about a relationship. You are watching this child become an adult. They're trying to figure out who they are in the world. It is so incredibly triggering and challenging. And if you're asking yourself, like stop checking, not asking yourself, but stop checking the boxes of like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And ask yourself, am I proud of how I'm communicating with my child? How do I feel? How does my child feel? How are we functioning as a family? And knowing that like less is more. And that is what is going to help us develop our, I guess, I don't even want to say emotional resiliency, I guess, emotional awareness of how we feel and go out into the world when they grow up as adults. I do think there's some extra tricky layers there for entrepreneurs because so many of us are oriented toward not more, more, more stuff or more money per se, but more possibility, more things to try, more innovation, more ideas. We tend to be a pretty um, expansive crew. And so the, the beauty of that, of course, is that we live in the possible. And the shadow side, the downside of that is that we sometimes don't live in the present. And I think I see that a lot with my entrepreneur crew as it relates to their children. A hundred percent. I mean, I am an entrepreneur and it's very interesting. First of all, you have to care about your mental and emotional health as an entrepreneur. I I often wonder how people go through the growth phase without considering personal development. I don't know about you, Sherry, but early on in my entrepreneurial journey, I was like, this needs to be like my number one priority. And I could not understand how people did it without. And I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm a quick action taker, but at the core foundation of it all, I, I know that the better I feel mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually, the quicker I can make magic happen, the more creative I am. So I have to be able to look at my children and realize that it's not about more, 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 more. It's about how can I help them and support them in creating their emotional capacity? Just watch their behaviors and ask yourself, like, what are they mirroring back to you? Because if you're burning out, 
And when you actually look at your child and go, are they exhibiting some of the same behaviors that I am? Are they actually burning out? Like nobody talks about childhood burnout. And when you can see your children going, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. Like it's soccer season where I am. And well, I'm sure other people have soccer season too, but that's what we're, we're about right now. And that's I'm, what's happening in your life. Yes. And I'm watching my, my middle son say, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And it's breaking my heart, but I know what he's actually saying or my assumption of what he's actually saying is like, this is really uncomfortable for me because I've been, I haven't done it in a few years. And so it's like, how do we take the pressure off while still challenging our children? And so we talk about it and I'm like, we're going to push that edge for you a little bit, but you, you get to be imperfect. You get to be sloppy. You get to make mistakes, but we just got to show up anyways. And then you can go back home and, and hide in your room if you need to recharge and recover. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's like pushing those emotional barriers, but actually considering how they feel at the exact same time. Yeah. It really is a nuanced stance. And I appreciate the way that you're talking about it because it's, it's not like, oh, Hey, I see discomfort in, in my child. And I say, oh, okay, let's, let's make this stop. Like, let's let, let not do this anymore. We don't want to do something that makes you uncomfortable. Like, no, that is not also realistic parenting or helping children, experience the the full capacity of their own accomplishment and the joy of being able to be good at something, but nor do we ignore it either. And so that, that problem solving conversation, the open conversation around, Hey, right now, this doesn't feel good. Let's push it forward a little bit. Let's keep checking in. Let's maybe do some problem solving about how it could be easier or more joyful, or let's also pay attention to the satisfaction that you feel after the game, after the tournament and having like had the opportunity to push through some of that discomfort. Yeah. I think it's also really seeing ourselves in our children and knowing, knowing, I don't want to say when to push and when to pull back because I don't think we will ever understand somebody else's experience, but it's interesting because, and I'm just using yesterday as an example, we're on our way to, to soccer, there's resistance, there's physical and mental resistance in one of two children that were going to soccer that day. And the one is more extroverted. The other is more introverted. And I can see myself in that behavior where I don't want to go for that walk. I don't want to like drink the water. I don't want to go, you know, to the gym. I don't want to do the thing that I know is going to, it's like, you know, the little micro habits that I know are giving me more time and energy and making me feel more fulfilled and whole. And so then I'm triggered as a parent because I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm making my child emotionally uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm igniting more anxiety in them. It's like, it's triggering all my shit. So then I get to pay attention to what that is triggering inside of me while also having those emotionally uncomfortable conversations with my children. This whole situation as an entrepreneur has also blown my mind when it comes to education. <laughs> And the, the interesting conversations that I've been having with, with teachers and the lack of emotional wellness that is involved when it comes to education, it has absolutely blown my mind. And that's where I've had to really become super discerning with like, am I doing this for my child? Am I doing this for my ego or am I doing this for the greater good? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah. And so much of your learning about this came as a part of a, I guess, wake up call is probably not the right term, but you had this really life-changing event in terms of a very dangerous stage four cancer diagnosis. And how did that sort of shape the way that you see yourself and the way that you see your parenting? I know that's a huge question, but. Yeah. The interesting part is, so cancer, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer about nine years ago. And the interesting part about cancer, I would say it was the the straw that broke the camel's back. And a lot of people see the story or when I tell the story and they're like, OMG, like, you know, you're alive. This is amazing. But there was nine years previous to cancer where one, I became a mother, which rocked my world because I was 18 years old when I became a mother. And I just remember looking at my son for the first time thinking, I never want to become a statistic. Like that was, that was my inner drive. And so that was kind of like my mantra and how I showed up as a mother. And I, I, my armor came up. I was very gritty and angry and everyone would be like, you can't do this. And I'm like, I'll show you. And so I was really driven from this place of like proving myself to the world that I am good enough. And if anyone listening to this, they're like, oh gosh, yes, I know what that feels like. I really had, I was coming from this proving energy, which turned into the hustle energy. And so I went to school, I became a social worker, fell in love with meditation and mindfulness, mental health, but everything that I was doing was coming from a place of, I don't want to become a statistic. I don't want to become a statistic and fear. So by the time those nine years, I went to school, got my corporate job as a social worker. I was working with very vulnerable populations, fell in love with understanding children's behavior, understanding human behavior. And then I took the leap into entrepreneurship. And it was like six months into like literally cutting off the safety net. And that's when my diagnosis happened. And so at the time I was working with parents, really just focused on the parent-child relationship. And then, but what I was hearing, Sherry, was I don't have time for this. I don't have time to implement these strategies. I hate my job. My marriage is falling apart. I feel like unfulfilled in, inside, like all. And I said, okay, but you're here. We're here for the child. We're here for the child. Like, come back, come back, come back. So after my diagnosis, I truly was like, I am done pretending that the child is the only one struggling here. And that was when. I really started to embody, how do you want to feel as a, as a caregiver? How do you want to feel in your life, in your relationship with your child, in your everyday experience, and then teaching them how to reverse engineer that. And now it's like, we can talk about the child. You can feel like you're failing as a parent, but you matter too. And you are also a part of this equation. And if you feel like this in your business, with your team, with your profits, with your time and energy, it's all connected and it all comes back to us. But we need to stop blaming ourselves for the experience of others and see how we are connected to them. But it is not my responsibility to like take care of everyone else's emotional experience. So 
Yeah. I've learned so much since cancer, but I think at the core of it, it's realizing that the more alive I feel, the better I feel like I am my number one priority in my life, which ironically has given me more time, more energy, more patience, more focus, more profit, more like leadership to be able to lead people in those emotionally uncomfortable containers. It's just very counterintuitive to what we're told culturally. Yeah, especially around the the messaging of parenting, which is like sacrificial and caretaking it. And it is in some ways, but what a gift to children to have a parent who is fully alive, to have a parent that loves their work, to have a parent that is ignited about their own passion, their own hobby that's creative, that's tuned in, that's pursuing their emotional growth and personal well-being. And I feel like that is such a huge part of parenting, which is just modeling a fully alive, engaged life. And we miss that so often in the pursuit of you know, these ideals of what it means to show up for a family. So I think your work is so important because it, it just resets the conversation around what it is we're trying to accomplish in our lives as humans and how kids fit into that. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you because I'm very good at deflecting. So I'm, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You know what? I feel like when we have a desire as parents to make an impact, to grow our work, to whatever you want to do. The desire is put inside of you for a reason. And we don't need to put it away, shove it down, discount it because we have children. I think children are an extension of us. Uh, They come through us. They're gifted to us. However, they come into into your world and you're just a guide. And at the end of the day, The research and data shows, because I'm obsessed, I'm not a research-minded person, but I'm obsessed with like brain science and all of that. If you look at like the median, like the correlation, you read all the parenting books, all the things, it's like role modeling. Like you truly have to become the person that you desire your child to be. You cannot say, go do this and not live it. And I think that's, That's the hardest thing to do. I don't believe in hard things. I believe in emotionally uncomfortable things. So it's wildly emotionally uncomfortable to actually become the person that you most desire your children to be. But the beauty of that is if I see my child having a very difficult time managing their anxiety, managing their overwhelm, managing their anger, managing this feeling of being lost and asking themselves, what is my purpose? If I have gone before them and I've done the work just a few steps ahead of them, I can say, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've been there. And that's our journey is just to guide our children. We cannot predict their future. But when you can look at a child and say, I see what you are passionate about. I see what you're excited about. Let's cultivate that joy in your life and really take a stand for them. Like it's, it's all connected and it's been mind blowing to me to watch and observe the stories that we tell ourselves culturally, especially as women of who we need to be. And then to unlearn all of that and go, no, I don't feel busy chronically. I don't feel overwhelmed chronically. Yes. I have moments. I don't feel like I'm failing as a parent yet. Do I have moments where I'm like, 
indecisive of was that a good decision or not? Of course I do. But we have to realize that life is is fluid and is going to happen. And are you willing and ready and have the skills to have those, those hard conversations, those emotionally uncomfortable conversations with your children? Are you able to hold that emotional capacity when they have the tantrum, when their big shit comes up? And those are the questions that I want to ask people, not like, you know, can you send them to every single camp that they want? This is, this is an inner game. So you are working on a course called Get Out of Your Own Way. Tell me about that. Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like all my work is about teaching people to get out of their own way. Yeah, I typically work with people when it comes to what's not working in your life. People are like, I don't know what I want. I'm like, get super clear on what is not working. You're like, I call it the not this list. Flip it. And then let's let's start walking towards your bigger vision. How do you want to feel in your relationships? How do you want to feel in your mind, in your body? And it's all about the journey. It's so cliche, but it's all about the journey and who you become. Because the second you cross that finish line, the second you hit that income goal, you're going to be like, ah, that was no big deal. But if you can say, I'm really proud of how I showed up. So I really show people how to get clear on how they want to feel in their life and reverse engineer that um, and hold them accountable. Beautiful. Well, if folks want to follow you or learn more about what you're doing, what you offer, how you help people get out of their own way and get connected to who they really want to be as parents and as humans, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So I talk a lot on my podcast. It's called Emotionally Uncomfortable. And I talk a lot about parenting, business, emotional health, like how do you want to feel? Very practical tips. You can uh, follow me on Instagram as well under Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N. And I always love it when people listen to a conversation and send me a private message. I'm very approachable. So those are the best two places to find me. Amazing. And we'll put that information in the show notes as well. And yeah, your Instagram game is strong. I love following you, seeing what you're up to and your photos. And there's a there's a level of authenticity and creativity to how you present yourself that is so refreshing and fun. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been such a delightful conversation. And I think there's a lot of like rich goodness in here to absorb. So it's, it's a gift to me and a gift to the audience. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.